Dune Part 2's latest trailer lights the internet on fire. David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan get cast in Superman Legacy. And let's break down Tom Cruise's most dangerous stunt yet, this week on Movie News. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. And it is another episode of Movie News where we go through all of the industry news so you don't have to. We have a ton of new movie announcements, trailers, and some sneak peeks of upcoming films. But first, let's get into the box office. Whew, and it was not great for Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. It pulled in only $60 million domestic in its three-day or technically four-day opening weekend, which is not great news to put in perspective. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, when it came out in 2008, opened to $100 million at the domestic wow. box office. And also, that was 2008. When you adjust for inflation, that's $140 million. So really, Dial Destiny premiered to its opening weekend less than half of what Kingdom of the Crystal Skull did. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And it looks like this was just what they were expecting, not what they wanted, you know, but this is what projections were guessing at about a month ago. They, well, it's, they it's not said, what they wanted. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. what, I, not oh, what sorry, they wanted. Sorry. I, I did say that. <laughs> it's not what they wanted. It's what they were expecting to happen. And the film ended up costing about 400 to $450 million. So in order for this film to become profitable, they have to break the $850 million $900 million box office mark for them to make profits after paying for their own expenses and recuperating their costs while splitting profits with theater owners. So Disney needs to make $900 million on this film. It looks like with this start, it's probably going to make about $400 million. So it's going to be a big, big loss for Disney. I don't think anyone's surprised. This has been a long time coming. The projections were strong about this kind of opening uh, weeks ago. So... It's done. It happened. Indiana Jones, we're going to do a review of it. It was a pretty good movie. Unfortunately, we walked away pretty dis disappointed and underwhelmed. But for big fans of the franchise, it's still fun to see Harrison Ford back in action. Really, really well put in. We got some <laughs> things to say, everybody. We got some things to say. Moving on to second place, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is still killing it. Pulled $12 million in this, what is it, the, the fifth weekend Pulling it up over $400 million, or $340 million domestic. It's broken $500 million internationally. Huge success. Then Elemental, another Disney bomb. This movie has not even hit $100 million domestically. After three weeks at the box office, it's only pulled in $87 million. And this was 
pretty expensive, about $300, $350 million movie to break even. They need to hit six or $700 million globally. That looks like another loss. So just that and Indiana Jones looks like Disney's going to probably eat maybe $400 to $500 million at least with those films combined. <laughs> Literally just light on fire. Literally, like lighting that much money on fire. It's crazy. It's like the Joker. Everything burns. <laughs> it's, uh, it's also rare to see uh, a Pixar film drop so much week to week. And its third week, it's dropped quite a lot from its opening week. And the opening weekend was $30 million. Generally, they, they have pretty good holdover. I wouldn't say it's rare anymore. Lightyear not, yeah, was the same. Not anymore. So it's, it's, it's this new era of Disney Pixar where the films, start, they aren't holding strong at the box office like they used to. They're not even having good yeah. opening weekends between this Strange Worlds and Lightyear. Bad Oof. opening weekends. Yikes. Huge drops. And I mean, it, it looks like drop. Elio is not going to do very well either. We'll see. I mean, I, I doubt it if this is three in a row with box office bombs for Pixar Disney. Whew. Ouch. Ouchies. No hard feelings in fourth place. This film is turning into a little hit for Jennifer Lawrence and company. And I can't wait to check this out. I'm going to go see it before it leaves theaters. But it's pulled in this week. It's second weekend. It pulled in, uh, what is it, 29? No, no. $7 million. $7 million. $7 million domestically for the second weekend. Total at $30 million domestic, which international is probably around 40 or 50. Yeah, it's doing pretty good. Really successful film on yeah. a budget of $25 million. Doing so good. That's awesome to see for R-rated raunchy comedy. Hell also, yeah. Also, I mean, I've heard such great things about it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it sometime in the next week or so. And then in fifth place, Transformers Rise of the Beast. Rise. It came in with a $6.5 million three-day weekend, bringing its domestic total one to 135 so it was okay performer um i think it might be the the lowest performer of the franchise though. i think so too yeah it looks like it and you'll notice that the fucking flash is not in the top five it's already out of the top five in just its third week at the box office globally ouchies domestically or it's out of the domestic top five uh-huh i haven't checked the global numbers i think we, it'll still do fine globally but that's horrible news for warner brothers and dc Another studio going to eat several hundred million dollars on this film. This was probably the same thing as Dial Destiny, $400, $450 million budget when you factor in marketing and all the reshoots and everything they did. Still, they, they'll need to also hit $900 million-ish to break even. And it seems like The Flash and Indy 5 are kind of doomed at the box office. For sure, The Flash is officially doomed. And Indy, unless it's got some legs, some word of mouth hits it, I don't see that really happening. The word of mouth for this film is not very exciting, just like with The Flash. <laughs> so unfortunately, for the studios, Warner Brothers and Disney, they are taking some L's this this month, for sure. Let me uh, see if I can pull up the international yeah. numbers for The Flash. But July well, yeah. is about to pop off. We have so many great movies coming out. Obviously, July 21st is the most talked-about film date of the year we have barbenheimer happening so i cannot wait to see barbenheimer have you seen the t-shirts i've seen a ton yeah a bunch of people are making shirts right now i believe i saw that barbie is projecting about 60 to 70 million dollars opening weekend oppenheimer projected 40 million dollars opening weekend domestic I, I that seems kind of like what we talked about a bit when you factor in we were spot on yeah so spot international on. they'll probably both be closer to 100 million and I think Barbie will outperform. We I think we both think that Barbie will outperform Oppenheimer for the first week or two, and then Oppenheimer will have legs. I think that's going to get a lot of rewatches, and can't wait to see both. It's going to be awesome. But July is going to be awesome. Now, while Anthony's still looking up those numbers, let's talk about some Dune, baby. <laughs> we had some Dune news. Not only did we get one of the most sensational trailers I've seen in so long, and I didn't want to watch it. This new trailer. 
But Anthony's like, hey, dude, we have a movie podcast. You got to watch it. We got to talk about it. I'm like, fine, because I wanted to wait to see it in theaters. But Anthony convinced me because... And a lot of our, our fans were damning yeah. us. Uh, the Flash has made $95 million internationally. So Total? Yeah, total so far. So it's it's, uh, it's still under $300 million. Wow, that's a, that's a huge bump. But this yeah. trailer was exceptional. And like we've been telling you, if you've never read the book, you don't know what to expect. This second part of this two-parter film basically is going to be bombastic more action wrapping things up with a bow it's Fast gonna be pace. incredible yeah and i can't wait the trailer was awesome i was so curious how things were gonna look we got a war going on chani is in battle i love it paul is in battle and we see the dark side of paul is teased we have christopher walken as the padishah emperor is finally shown finally shown and we get a line of dialogue from him Perfect choice by Denis Villeneuve to Paul, cast him. You, you can't be the new emperor, Paul. <laughs> I'm the emperor. <laughs> we have Gurney Halleck's return, which might surprise people if they put that in the trailer, but he's a huge part of the film going forward. And I think even though maybe people, maybe they thought he could have died at the battle at the end of part two, I mean, part one, here he is. Let's get Josh Brolin's face in there. It looks terrific. <laughs> Lady Jessica is drinking something that looks pretty sketchy. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. The massive war, then... Just great battle sequences. The huge explosion at the end, which some of us know what that's about. Some of us don't. And there's a really cool shot of showcasing how many Fremen there really are in that huge temple. Like, there's millions. It's really, I, That's one of my favorite shots of the trailer. And then also Timothy Chalamet just saying, I am Paul Muad'Dib Atreides! I was like, oh my Duke god. Duke of Muad'Dib. So we got a tease of his new name, his uh, Fremen name, Muad'Dib. And they are still leaving some very big things out. And they still are just showing a couple snippets of Austin Butler. Still no audio from him. Yeah, still no, no dialogue. Hey, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Fade Rouse. So Paul, yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why are you going to be like this, Paul? Harkening for life, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's going to play a major role. And also, there is still a huge character that they haven't shown anything of. I know! Nothing. I love nothing. it! There, I, I also hate it, but I love it. I don't want to see this character in any advertisements, any trailers. I think that's the best way to go yeah, into yeah. it because... Everyone who knows the character that's missing, we're waiting for it, but it's best not to spoil it, I think, for people who are going to go into this not knowing the character that we're talking about. Yeah, and we we almost did a full episode breakdown of the trailer, but we felt like describing things in the trailer would be too spoilery because it would be giving away some details that and we think it's better just to walk into it fresh for those who haven't read the books and know what to expect. So we didn't want to do like a, a big dissection of the trailer just because we were afraid of giving away too much information that might kind of ruin any surprises or expectations y'all might have. We'd so, have to explain so yeah, much. Yeah. So so we, basically, if you never read the book, you couldn't even listen to that episode. Yeah. Yeah. We just we feel like it might ruin the uh, film going experience for you when you go in the theaters to see it. But I think we'll do a preview episode like a month before the film comes out. We have we can all still summer. do an everything we knows episode about casting and about the crew and stuff like that. Everything we knows. Everything we knows. <laughs> I say no. Yes. We I knows like, lots of things. I speak English really good. We knows lots. <laughs> we knows lots. But we, I, we can't hint that uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Josh Brolin are going to have still very big roles in this film. They are not just little side characters. There's, there's going to be a lot going on. And this ensemble, even though Chalamet is the lead, it is a, a well-balanced ensemble in terms of the story. And it's going to be like, it's kind of like, it's reminiscent of Game of Thrones where all these major characters have a part to play in a major way in the story. It's a great point. It's going to be awesome. Cannot wait. This trailer, 
my hair was standing. I got goosebumps. For like five yeah. minutes. It was just goosebumps, hairs standing upright for so... Oh my God. It made me feel so many emotions. I watched it. I was like, dude, you're going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Batman watching the trailer? Watch it. Watch the trailer. Light it up. <laughs> Hit play. Speaking of more Dune news. So... There is a second book after Dune called Dune Messiah. Now, Denis Villeneuve says he intends to cap off Dune as a trilogy with Dune Messiah, despite Warner Brothers not officially signing off on it yet. I just love the cojones of this guy. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I don't care what Warner Brothers says right now, but it's going to happen. And I would love to see it. And it would cap off the trilogy of the story super well, even though there's so many Dune books. And Herbert wrote, I think, eight. Uh, Dune Messiah is an excellent continuation of the story of a lot of these characters so i hope that they make the trilogy i bet that the film does really well it's not going to be a huge 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 box office performer but i'm guessing that dune 2 could make about 600 or 700 million which would make warner brothers confident in another film i think it's going to be a hit i really do there's a ton of word of mouth everyone's excited about this movie and everyone who didn't see it in theaters for dune and they saw it online Mm -hmm. i think everyone who did that really loved it and I think it's just gonna it's gonna take the internet by storm once it comes out. And it's a pretty empty slate for that month. Nothing really that crazy is coming out. Nothing. So I Craven think comes out a few weeks before yeah. Craven the Hunter, but outside people of are that, excited for Craven. Yeah, it though. seems like it'll be in IMAX for a while by itself. I'm yeah. guessing. I think it'll do. It'll have a, a good opening weekend, but I think it's gonna have a great holdover for at least uh, four weeks of just word of mouth doing well, not dropping much. And I think it'll hold the number one spot for maybe three weeks straight. Yeah, I'll probably be helping to <laughs> contribute to that for sure with several viewings of my of my own <laughs> because <laughs> it looks awesome. Next up, we have the uh, big casting announcement of the week. David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan have been cast in the lead roles for Superman Legacy as Clark Kent Superman and Lois Lane, respectively. They seem to be very good choices. I We've been uh, fans of Rachel Brosnahan. She was in House of Cards that was her first breakout, and I watched uh, the first couple seasons of Marvelous Miss Maisel. She's a very good actress, and she seems really well suited to that era. And I, I think it would be cool if they went period piece, but we'll see what happens. But Lois Lane, she's, I think she could do a solid job as Lois. And then I've never seen David Corn sweat until Pearl, and he did a very good job in Pearl. So he's also very tall. He has the frame. He has the face. Uh, he's reminiscent of the character. So I think that very, very good choices for this casting. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be period piece because this is the DCU. Yeah, yeah. So it's all going to... I mean, Blue Beetle is present day. So obviously, I think it's all going to be present day. So we will be seeing smartphones in all these movies. It is what it is. It's part of it's part be of fun. Life. Be fun. I, it would be fun, but... You know what would be... I mean, if they went period piece with James Bond, that would be fucking great. That would be sick. That would be amazing. You know, they ain't. Not, you know, Amazon ain't going to do that. <laughs> it would be amazing. <laughs> it would be really cool. But yeah, that's really exciting news. We're going to get our, what, 78th Superman movie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's really exciting for both those actors. You know, they're, they're really terrific and up-and-coming talents. And Brosnahan, she's so terrific. So I can't wait to see her as Lois Lane. I think that was a great casting for sure. And Corn's what he's got the face. He, everyone says he's just like, looks just like... Discount Henry Cavill. Yeah, I mean, they're both very handsome guys. 50% off Henry Cavill. They both look like fucking Clark Kent. That's yeah, the yeah. thing. It's like Henry Cavill looks like Clark Kent, so David Cornsweet looks like Clark oh, Kent. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's a, a great choice for, for the role. The memes are, are funny. Yeah, they're pretty good memes. We got some Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible news. Now, one of my favorite pieces of news from this past week was Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie 
were promoting other movies. They took a photo holding tickets in front of an Oppenheimer poster, in front of a Barbie poster, and in front of an Indiana Jones poster. This is really classy stuff because the more people that see movies and see good movies, it helps every movie. It helps the entire industry. So I think Macquarie and Cruz, they're such great contributors to Hollywood, to film, and to entertainment. It's really important not to just promote yourselves and create just eat like singular competition, but promote other people's movies. So I thought that was so cool. And then Robbie, Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig hopped on the train. They did it as well. So it's really cool to see them as well. Uh, getting on this like ice bucket challenge of <laughs> director star <laughs> taking photos in front of looks like it was at the same theater too. yeah it looks like it's yeah <laughs> of movie posters it, it looks must... like it's like theater I think in it's the tcl Europe. it was it the tcl I think it's the tcl maybe yeah maybe all right there's some more tom cruise news the tcl's in hollywood there's a new seven uh, four minute clip not of mission impossible but of a uh, new stunt reveal for tom cruise and what he did oh keep talking i'm gonna turn the ac on <laughs> he did yeah it's getting toasty in here it's summertime in la so tom cruise has been training for this stunt, which is called speed flying, which is a crazy extreme activity that some very crazy people like to do for fun. So it's basically like hang gliding with like a parachute, like parachuting, but low to the ground. And oh, okay. I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. So you're like... I've seen a lot of accidents. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so in the stunt, he's traversing a hill, like a long hillside. It looks like, like it could be like the Scottish Highlands or something uh, while speed, gli- speed flying. And he's literally just like feet above the ground he's going like 150 miles per hour dodging trees dodging ridges and all sorts of shit that he could hit and he's like flipping and twisting and rolling in the air and like it really does look like it's the most dangerous thing he's done so far because of how immediate the danger is at every every stop you know what i mean like yeah he had it's like it's not like you're flying a helicopter or you're diving from the plane where it's like a long-standing thing that's happening, and you can prepare for, you can prepare for something like far away, you know, like oh, here's this thing I have to worry about over the next minute. But with this, it looks like you are every second, every second you make the wrong move, you're hit, you're dead, or you break your fucking back. You know what I mean? It really does look like it could be his most dangerous stunt he's done. And so it's behind the scenes footage. They show where the camera was. Is it like a helicopter tracking him? What is it? A couple, and also strapped one to him. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Tom Cruise. Oh my god! Because when we bumped into Juju Straw Hat Goofy a couple weeks ago at Paramount, he's like, "I've seen the movie." We were asking him about Mission Impossible, obviously, because he went to the premiere in Rome. Fucking guys, killing it. Um, and he's like. Yeah, I mean, what they've shown in the trailer is awesome. The the motorcycle jump is insane to parachuting. But he's like, you don't even know. Like he, the, the stuff that they're not showing is the craziest stunts I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, oh, my God, it gets me so excited. So this I'm hearing about this from you for the first time sounds incredible. Yeah, I, I only watched about half the footage because I didn't want to give too much away. But it's unbelievable. Fuck, it's insane. Tom Cruise, man. Insane. I love Tom Cruise. You hear that, Dawson? Tom Cruise, and I, I keep, because <laughs> he's on their press tour right now, and I love seeing him, you know, going, using, they were in South Korea doing a, a Seoul premiere, and I just love seeing how people in the around the world adore this man so much, he's like getting off the jets, everyone's taking photos and selfies with him, because he's just like the coolest guy, he's the biggest movie star of all time, and what a legend still doing it, I cannot wait for this goddamn movie, Yeah, cannot wait, alright, let's move on to some James Mangold news that's relevant to Star Wars, so apparently... He was on a podcast recently. Not ours. Not ours. Unfortunately. Come on, James. Apparently, Disney scrapped his R-rated 
spaghetti western Boba Fett movie that he was trying to make, but they cut it after Disney lost money on Solo, a Star Wars movie, which that was not a successful movie for Disney when they made it. It's not very profitable. Um, so they scrapped, I guess, his idea for Radar Spaghetti Western Boba Fett, which sounds like it would have been freaking awesome. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun. He did a great job with 310 to Yuma, so the Western genre. Logan's Western. Yeah, really, Logan's, yeah. Logan's pretty much a Western. So, And the Western genre sounds like a, a fun space for Star Wars to be in, so that's too bad. Because it's always had the Western draw, especially with Han Solo, the gunslinger kind of elements. But it would, I think it would have worked so much better than the Boba Fett TV show because... I don't really know anyone that really enjoyed that show immensely. And like, is anyone, I don't know if anyone's going to rewatch it. And it just seemed too safe. And it was very much a kid's show in a lot of ways. So I think if they took the character and went more interesting direction, because Boba Fett is such a love character from the lore of Star Wars, such a badass. Give him a Raider or Spaghetti Western. That'd be sick. Yeah. I think there's definitely space to make Star Wars movies in our rating. And yeah. a lot of fans would like to see that, I Something would say. Something gritty. Yeah, absolutely. Next up, Captain America, Brave New World, has just wrapped filming. Anthony Mackie obviously stars in the film. And Harrison Ford joined the cast. And there's a cool behind-the-scenes photo of them from last week. But they wrapped production, so they got a lot of work to do in post, I bet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it's coming out 2024, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Correct. That'll be coming out in soon. In the uh, late summer. Hopefully the MCU can get reinvigorated with that, and then also hopefully if they get Blade made, we'll find out. Do you like his suit? Um, I think it's. <laughs> I don't like the suit. At the first time it's I saw a lot. it, it's a lot. The first time I saw it, I was like, "That's really cool," but yeah, there's a lot going on, and I think something a little more sleek in in I mean less. I, it's it's too much. Yeah, it's just yeah. too. It's distracting in a lot of ways. Yeah. If that makes sense, I don't know. But it's it'll be, yeah, I don't like the suit. <laughs> When I first saw it, I'm like, oh, that's sick. But then I'm like, eh. <laughs> eh. I like this. I like the Falcon suit better, honestly. I like the Falcon suit better, I like, too. Falcon, like the, yeah. the, the later re- renditions of Falcon suit were sick. Yeah, his, his suit in uh, the latter Avengers like, movies was, great. was yeah. awesome. I think it's a really great suit. I, th- I think it's... Maybe if they tone it down a bit. Tone it down a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to... We'll stay on MCU. So, Fantastic Four. They're trying to cast this movie, and... Not going great so far. Adam Driver was rumored to be a top choice for Reed Richards. However, he has turned down the role. Rumors are that he was request request requesting a little too much money. But I mean, it's Adam Driver. And you're, star. The, you're the MCU. You're yeah. Disney. Don't you have just boatloads of cash? I will say, I, I read some stuff online and saw some people on social media saying that Adam Driver quit the film. He never, never, he signed. never signed on. <laughs> this is just a negotiation Set, um, time An offer. Pe- yeah, they're ju- they've just been negotiating the contract, and he and he turned it down. He he was never signed on. Margot Robbie is never signed on. There's all people also saying people are basically saying Driver and Robbie quit the film. They never were on the film. Never were. They just didn't yeah. like the deals that Marvel wanted to put with them for. And when you're forward. when you're an A-lister and you're signing on to the MCU, they should ask for as much money as they can get because. This limits what they can do in their career for such a long period of time. If you're going to be Reed Richards in the MCU, you're going to be in freaking 10 movies in the next eight years. You know what I mean? So I understand why an A-lister, they want more money to be paid for the MCU because they're losing work. And also, it could damage your career going forward post-MCU. Like a lot of actors, they yeah. have trouble like having successful films at the box office post-MCU. Not all of them, but some of them. So I think that you know, an A-lister asking for what they deserve, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just always worked better 
I think for obviously they've cast some superstars prior to their other roles prior to being in Marvel, but generally it's worked better for them to cast either unknown or um, lower tier in the industry actors. I mean, and sign them to seven year deals. I mean, seven picture deals for two hundred thousand a pop. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Hemsworth was only paid what two hundred thousand for Thor. Downey was paid one hundred fifty thousand for Iron Man. Uh, there, they will never be able to get that kind of price with an actor who's already a star. It's just impossible. So it works better, I think, if they go for someone who's up and coming for these roles, or someone who you know they might need a career rejuvenation, like Downey. Yeah, he was a star, but then he was just basically doing smaller films and working his way back up in the industry to the Hollywood superstar level. So they were able to get him on the cheap, cheap for Iron Man 1. So. Yeah, 500K. Yeah. Because he was still in a movie pretty much every year leading up to it almost. I would say that probably Benedict Cumberbatch is the top example of a star, critical acclaim, known around the world, t- signing on to a multi-picture deal for MCU. Elizabeth Olsen a bit, and I guess, but like he probably, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking he's probably the number one. And Brie Larson possibly as well. I, well, I would say... They were famous and well-known, but they weren't um, box office successes. You know what I mean? Okay, they, yeah. Benedict was still doing Sherlock and, made, I mean, doing more independent films. He wasn't doing box office hits. None of them had the star power. Imitation Game was a big movie for him. Yeah, but it wasn't a box office juggernaut. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think that when you're, you're like, you've been such a respected actor for a long time in the States and stuff, it's like, it's... They deserve. They they are gonna want to get paid. Whereas Benedict, he he was Smaug, but he was doing voiceover. Smaug. Smaug. So he hadn't had that big Hollywood job yet. You know True. what I mean? And now they're now they're going after the mm-hmm. A-listers, which is I guess kind of kind of new territory for them. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it. yeah, we'll see. But like, just no, like no one's been cast in the movie yet. Not at all. But yeah. Joseph Quinn is apparently their top choice for Johnny Storm and that would be pretty cool. I think he's so yeah. great in Stranger Things. I think he's a great actor and I think that would be a lot of fun and people would lose their shit over that. People will be very happy with so that So hot casting. right now, Joseph Quinn. So, so hot. So hot. <laughs> Christopher Nolan has spoken out on Oppenheimer's ending saying that it is comparable to the ending of Inception, calling it a complicated complicated uh, conclusion to the film. He says that they have similar emotional complex endings, saying, I mean, the end of Inception, it's exactly that. There's a nihilistic view of that ending, right? But there's he's also moved on and is with his kids. The ambiguity is not an emotional ambiguity. It's an intellectual one for the audience. So it's basically saying, like, you, you're getting to decide what you think the ending is. It's funny, I think there is an interesting relationship between the endings of Inception and Oppenheimer to be explored. Oppenheimer's got a complicated ending with complicated feelings. And you know, the the trailer, the last trailer they released, the long, like, four-minute one, I think they do a great job setting the tone for what the movie's going to be like in that trailer because the first, like, two and a half minutes, it's, like, very uplifting and feels, you know, not a positive tone, but kind of just, like, an exciting tone getting to this film, but then the the last minute of that trailer is dark and cynical almost. So I think he's like preparing us for what the ending of that movie is going to be and the third act is going to be because it's going to be intense and it's going to be a movie that challenges the audience and I cannot wait. I'm ecstatic. Oh, yeah. We skipped one. So Blumhouse finally released their first trailer for Five Nights at Freddy and it's going to bring that Five video, Nights at Freddy's. Freddy's bring that video game 
to life on the big screen finally. And I think this is cool. They're shooting shots at Blumhouse. I love to see it. Looks creepy and funny. It looks and, fun, yeah. yeah. It looks really good. I like it. And um, what's his name from Hunger Games? Uh, he's in a big movie again. Um, Josh Hutcherson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, oh my gosh, Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy. <laughs> Wes Anderson. Peter, right? Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter. Peter Bread. <laughs> Peter! <laughs> Where's Peter? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Wes Anderson's doing press for Asteroid City, and he revealed some details about his next film, which will be a dark espionage film starring Benicio Del Toro. And Benicio will be featured in every single shot of the film. And Wes Anderson said, My next feature film will be linear. With Benicio in every shot, I can't tell you much more than that, except it will be about espionage, a father-daughter relationship, and a rather dark tone for him. That sounds really fun. Like, he's just trying to do new things and uh, push himself by shooting your lead character in every single shot of the film, which sounds like a great experiment. That's so cool. Yeah, I love it. Love to hear that. Benicio's awesome. Cannot wait. I think he fits that world so well. That's why French Dispatch, I wish that whole movie was centered around his plot because I thought he was the, my favorite part of that short story, you know, magazine. He was, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was good. Film. It now, was highlight. staying on Wes Anderson and Asteroid City, better see this in theaters before it's gone because it's already going to be moving to streaming on July 11th, just two and a half weeks after its global premiere wide release in theaters, which I have very mixed feelings about, of course. I want people to see this, as many people to see this as possible because I really enjoyed it. But also, it's already going to be out of theaters very soon and immediately be put on VOD. You'll be able to rent it, and then eventually it'll probably be on a streamer, streaming platform for free if you have that streamer. But, you know, this is odd. This is a weird world we're living with films and their digital releases, how quickly it's happening after the theatrical release. And I, if I was a director, I don't know how I'd feel about it. I'd feel like sort of maybe like... This all this work didn't amount to too much if they're already putting it on streaming, but it's just a it's a new world we're living in in uncharted territory for film distribution when it comes to post theatrical release, and I, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't really love the idea of a movie being on streaming two weeks after it premieres. Yeah, and it, I mean it wasn't a huge hit, but it's grossed twenty one million so far. It's only been out for three weeks, and now in its first weekend, it was extremely limited release. It was only in like six theaters in the country, so yeah. it hasn't really had a very long full release uh, around the globe. So I think I think it's odd because I think there's still enough potential to make more money. For the studio that produced it, so. my 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 guess is that studios don't don't want to put the investment to remarket a movie when it comes out six months later to streaming. You know, I, maybe they don't want to pay for now on streaming. It's word of mouth. It's in the zeitgeist right now. Let's get as many eyeballs on it as possible post theatrical release. Yeah, we won't yeah. have to because remember before streaming and everything. Movie, a movie would come out, then like eight months later, ten months later, we'd get commercials and trailers for a movie being on DVD or on, or being able to rent in, at like a blockbuster, yeah, so the, they'd have to yeah. remarket it. The industry standard used to be about four-month window. At least. Yeah, Sometimes it was like a year. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's weird. It is weird that it's going to be on, t on rental already so quickly. But, I think they're just cutting corners yeah. and trying to just get, get the marketing a two-for-one like theatrical and VOD release with the same marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe the studio has done that before and had success with it in the past. So we'll see. I think also they probably aren't happy. Maybe they were hoping for more money yeah. in the box office. Well, a relevant topic about 
distribution and marketing. Let's say this. We'll skip a few stories. So Hayao Miyazaki, he's got a new film coming out called How Do You Live with Studio Ghibli? However, he's worried because there's going to be no marketing at all for his final film. Now, the director of Studio Ghibli, President Toshi, uh, Toshi Suzuki, is trying a new approach to marketing this film where there'll be no posters, really, no promotional content, no trailers or anything, or still images for the release of this final film. I don't even think they're going to release the plot details. It was rumored to be based on a short story, but it's kind of just up in the air of what the plot is. So this is really interesting. It's very experimental. It could either work out brilliantly or terribly. And Suzuki's confidence is that this is going to pique interest in audiences more than if they promoted it with posters, trailers, clips, stills, and stuff like that. So, well, I'll say that the, it's based on a book. No, that that just got disproved. It's not. It's not based on. No. Uh, how do you live? No, so it was earlier. It was reported earlier, but uh-huh. now it's an original story from okay. from Hayo. Gotcha. So it's a. It's not based off that book and story. And this is a experimental way to promote a film, but only you can do this with such a well-known director, I think, especially in the animated genre with the the cult following that animated films have. I think it's not a good. I think it's a bad idea to not even release a poster. I, just, I would say of, there is a poster, I think, but it's I don't know if it's the official poster, but there is one. Hmm. But it might be a poster of the of the book. That's the thing I'm thinking. Let me just. How do you live? It's interesting, and I don't know if, if they're they are short on funds, and that's why they don't don't want to market it. And this is kind of like a oh, we're just not going to market it because oh, I'm sorry, it's it has the same name as that novel, but it's not based. on Yeah, the novel. it was rumored that's to be based is. on the novel. Yeah. It's not. It's an original story. They've released. It looks like they've released some concept, a piece of concept art. Yeah, there's like a poster and concept art that's with just it. a boy, and that's it. Um, don't really know. I don't think about it. So he had no. He didn't want to do this. No, he's not. He's he's worried about it, Miyazaki. This is odd. I don't think that it's very smart because you're you want you're not going to run a restaurant and then ask people to buy something they don't know what they're going to eat. You're, here, here's the mystery meal. Are people going to buy that? I think that we live in a world where you people are so used to you you kind of have you have to sell a product and there is a you have to sell a product before you sell even it. with a Christopher yeah. Nolan movie you have even to. with a David Fincher movie anything so i think it's odd to not release i mean if you want to not release a trailer that's and that could work but to not release even any promotional images to get people to understand what they're going to see i think there you still need to connect to an audience in some way i think not even having posters or just just show us like 10 stills and that would that would be enough, so I think it's odd, and I don't think it will work out for them. Thirty second teaser. That's all you need. You know, I I would say if you want to try changing it up, don't even release any footage, but release some stills and release a poster. You still need to get people to understand what this is and what they're walking into. Um, I'm not sure that you can rely on the audience to show up to something they don't know what they're paying money for. Yes, but also with him, I think I think it could work out. Maybe because he's so well loved, his movies people go to see no matter what, and I think the word of mouth will be the ultimate campaign for this movie to just ignite it. And it might, I think it could work out really well. But I understand why he's worried about the lack of marketing for the film, especially because it's his last one. He wants it to be a success. He wants as many people to see it as possible. I think it could go both ways. It could either be brilliant or it could work terrible. 
I say it won't work out. I think it will. I think it will. Let's see. We'll see what happens. There's some news about Tron Aries. Aries. <laughs> Starring Jared Leto. I hate the name. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jared Leto stars in this new Tron adaptation, and it has added Evan Peters as a antagonist, and Greta Lee, who just recently came out with Past Lives. Is it an antagonist? I believe he's an antagonist from what I read. I could be wrong. Uh, because there's no plot details at all. Yeah, no movies. plot details at all. And also... Past Lives, I saw it last night. It is my favorite film of the year. It's exceptional. Go see it before it leaves theaters. I, I can't re- recommend it enough. Unfortunately, it's not making any money. I know. It's only at $3 million in its box office run, and it's been a wide release for two weeks now. It's a successful film, though. It was only $250,000 budget. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's very cheaply made, but so wow. it's, still, it's already turning a profit, but I, I wish people were seeing it. It's the same thing as last year with movies like Tar and Decision to Leave and, and After Sun, and it's just like... or audience is interested in seeing these movies anymore i don't think so it's it's <clears throat> so damn sad it's incredible i am still thinking about it number one in the year right now for me for 2023 past lives now most of the details about tron aries are a mystery for now disney is keeping this super secretive we all know jared leto was cast joaquin Ronin is directing directing and jesse wiggletoe has been writing the script it's not done yet shooting is scheduled to start next month in august but that might also depend on the writer's strike and potential actor strike if that happens. So there's potential that this film could be delayed. We'll see if, if SAG starts to strike because I believe their deal negotiations are up this month in July. I think I read. So like, I think it, by like July 20th, something around there, SAG has to make a deal for their next union deal with the studios and if they strike, then this movie's not going to go into production. We'll see. I mean, it's complicating everything. I will. Um, I get a fact check you there. Please do. The budget for Past Lives was thirty-four million. Thirty-four. Million? I'm getting that from a bunch of sources. Hold on, let me. I don't have my phone. Oh, okay. I believe you fit it. If yeah, but, thirty-four yeah. mil. Yeah, thirty-four. I mean, Where did I see two hundred fifty thousand. I mean, it's shot all over New York, right? Yeah, it's very expensive to shoot in New York. Okay, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and Korea. I mean, it's an international production, so you're right. That was that was dumb of me to say. Especially <laughs> I was like, I was like, didn't they shoot that on film? I mean, flying the, the film, flying the crew to Korea yeah. wouldn't cost that much. Just the film budget is a million. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so it's um. Oh my gosh. That yeah, that's a, a it's a big loss. Uh, it's it's this is what um. Maybe I, I saw $25 million. I did see it. <laughs> I was like, uh, I hadn't had my coffee yet. <laughs> I was like, isn't it all in New York City? Like, exteriors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it is expensive for uh, a film crew to, when you shoot in a different country, it's a combination of you, you can bring your own crew, and then also you can hire the crew on site in whatever international city you're coming in, but like... That, that can be pricey, hiring crews in other countries. They have different rates. They have different things. And also some countries and some cities, they're very specific about you have to hire people who work here on your set as a part of like helping, reju- helping put money and flow into their economies, especially local economies. And they also have requirements of like if you're going to use camera gear and rentals, we, we ask that you rent from sources here. So that can actually jump costs up a lot. Every city and country is different with how they work with Hollywood films and American-made films. So, so sometimes going international can really hike your budget up. Wow, it's really disappointing to hear. It's, it's really special. It really is. I can't it's, recommend it enough. That's a, this is a bad year for A24. That's their third bomb. bomb because So they had Bo's Afraid, which cost $40 million, and it's only made $4 million. And then they had um, You Hurt My Feelings, which cost $35 million, and it's only made $3 million. 
and now they have past lives, which costs thirty-five million, and it's only at three and a half million right now. So and that include marketing and also yeah. include theater cut. So it's they're having a rough year. The it's it's rare. This is rare for a twenty-four, um, and it's I mean it poses the 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 issue that you and I were talked about a lot last year, where these uh, mid mid-range budget films. Um, they're kind of they're, they're, they're kind they're not it's like are people interested in seeing them if it's not like a horror movie yeah you know what i mean it's if, if for low budget it seems like horror is the only sure thing at the box office unfortunately um which is scary because no pun intended scary uh because i mean past lives and you know those other films they are about like real human stories and and they seem to be they're they're about the human condition and they're my favorite kinds of movies to watch, and it seems like audiences may have lost interest in them in America. Unfortunately, it's so sad. That's because really that's a that's a big uh, that's a big loss for a twenty four. They're they're out a hundred million dollars this year. It's a beautiful movie. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's too bad. All right, let's move on to we had a passing of a legend. Alan Arkin passed away at the age of eighty nine. Oscar winner, terrific talent, legend. Span, his career spanned decades. He will be missed. Argo, fuck yourself. Argo, fuck yourself, man. What a great <sighs> so actor. So sad. Okay. Clint Eastwood has begun production on his final film, Juror Number 2, starring Nicholas Holt and Tony Collette. This sounds like a really intriguing story. Um, the synopsis, if I remember off the top of my head, is about Nicholas Holt is playing a man who's put on a jury for a murder trial and discovers that he is the suspect. Is a suspect or it's someone he murdered? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. Sounds cool. He's 92 years old, by the way, Clint Eastwood. Wow. He's still making movies. Wow. This is going to be his last one. Going out with a bang. Can't wait. Okay, back to Blumhouse. Remember Spawn in 1997, that superhero oh, yeah. movie that oh, we yeah. were obsessed with? And I had the huge... You had like a, an 18-inch tall like yeah. Spawn action figure. He had like the, the cape you could take on and off. Yeah. It was massive. We were so into that weird movie. It was so fucking cool. <laughs> Liguizamo? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> they were shooting shots back then. Now, this... Reboot or sequel has been developmental hell since 1998. People have been trying to get it made, but it just hasn't taken off. However, Blumhouse says they're developing a reboot. They're hoping to release it in 2025. Jamie Foxx has been in talks to star with Jeremy Renner for the last couple of years. However, you know both of them have had health problems lately. Jeremy Renner, obviously, his horrific accident. Jamie Foxx is still in the hospital recovering from his mystery illness and situation. We still don't know what's going on with him. Hopefully he recovers soon, but um, they're the ones who would be, he would be Spawn, Jamie Foxx, then Jeremy Renner would be Detective Twitch, I believe is the name. So it looks like Blumhouse wants to make a movie for more than a million dollars. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> well, Five Night at Freddy's looks like it's uh, pretty No, no, pretty yeah, budget. I mean, but they yeah. always, they're always yeah. in the very low. We'll give you $2 million. <laughs> they don't even go mid-tier. It's all low-tier. Yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, that's how it works. But I mean, well, except for the Insidious and Red Door, I mean, that's their number one franchise, and they, they're milking that like crazy because they have the Red Door coming out, which has got some cool marketing going on in Los Angeles down on some random streets oh, yeah, you find yeah. this red door you can open up and get scared really yeah and then they're also making another insidious reboot or, or another spinoff i think next year and they're trying to i read blumhouse is trying to make a crossover between sinister and insidious sinister and insidious yes hmm. i like the first sinister movie a lot i shut off the second one <laughs> about 30 minutes in couldn't do it i didn't even watch it i think they they had such huge potential with a great new horror icon um bagul bagul We'll see. Oh man! Oh well! Oh well! What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? 
Tom Hardy shared an image from Venom 3 on his Instagram, and it reveals a link to Spider-Man No Way Home, and that link is that he's wearing the same wardrobe as Eddie Brock was wearing at the post credit scene of No Way Home, meaning that Venom is in Tom Holland's universe. It's all connected, baby. It's oh, yeah. all connected. Oh, yeah. And obviously, I think uh, Across the Spider-Verse just solidified that even more, even though it was a fun little cameo thing. Well, what's the uh, solidification? Because Spot the- enters Venom's world in the convenience store. Oh, yeah. Store. Right, 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 right. That was a fun cameo. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what, do you see weird things like this all the time? She's like, in her head, she's like, you have no idea of what I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> Last bit of news. Community, the movie, starts filming next summer. Donald Glover has been confirmed to return. Joe McHale gave this update on a long Just Stayed in Community movie recently, so... Pretty exciting finally, stuff. Finally happening. Pretty exciting stuff. Finally happening. Yeah. It's interesting. The cast is great, but Donald's the only one who really became a superstar. Well, and the Russos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they... they Behind the camera, yeah. yeah. I mean, they they were making episodes like three seasons in, though, so yeah. it's, they, it was already being done for yeah. a while before they stepped in. But, I mean, post-community, post yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, the yeah, most yeah, successful. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, you're right. But, I mean, in front of the camera, the rest of them, not superstars or anything. Glover, they're all Glover, awesome. Glover yeah. is a superstar. Mikhail's... He had a really great career, though. Like, that's a really good Yeah, he's, yeah he's, it's a good Hollywood he's, career. He's a good guy. It's a very respectable. It's a good guy. Allison Bree's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Allison Bree's. She's got a great career. Yeah. All right, that wraps movie news number 106. There's a lot going on that this week. That was a long one. So, episodes coming out this week, coming up tomorrow on Monday, we're doing our favorite international films. Me and Anthony and our friend Martha, we all selected our 10 favorites and we went through each one's. And gotta say, we got some great taste in international cinema. It's a good episode, yeah. Marta McFly, if you know her on TikTok and Instagram, she's really great, and she talks about international and classic films. So we had her on, and it was a lot of fun. That was a blast to do. Thursday, we have an episode on. Big big shoes, <laughs> big big shoes. Succession. <laughs> yeah, that theme. You didn't get me at all with the theme. Sorry, sorry. I for, I forgot what we recorded. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> I'm the eldest boy. She's just been like, fuck off, fuck off. We're doing an entire series recap of Succession. It'll be very similar to when we did the Office series recap, but also. We spent like the first half of the episode breaking down the character arcs, which was really cool, which we didn't do in the office episode completely. So we spent like an hour talking about the series in general. And then we went through like our favorite moments, favorite episodes, funniest moments, most cringe moments, favorite Tom and Greg moments. And it was an absolute blast. It was such a fun episode because we love that show. And people have been waiting for a while for it. So it's finally happening. We were going to do it earlier, but we were going to have guests on and they kind of just... It just didn't happen. Just fell up. It fell out. Sometimes yeah, it's like some, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, so we were like, "Fuck it, let's just do it ourselves." They weren't like on the show or anything, but they no, were, yeah, yeah. you know, cool people. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll happen again uh, in the future. But we, those are the main episodes coming out this week. Of course, we got Letterboxd recap coming out on Tuesday for everybody. Weekly chat on Wednesday, and maybe we'll we'll sprinkle in some other stuff. Who knows? Salt bay it. <laughs> Salt and sugar. <laughs> See you next time. Take care. Thank you for watching Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button as well. Notifications for sure. Listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere. You can listen to podcasts. And be sure to check out this other content we have on our YouTube channel.